0: I would like to welcome um, Samsung Mao today, uh, at Excelion on Twitter, uh, to our podcast, Relay Bitcoin session. Very nice uh, to have you here in the studio. I would never have dreamed of uh, talking to you in person. Uh, that's cool. So uh, yeah. maybe, uh, why, why are you here, uh, even?
1: Just for this. <laughs> for, thanks for inviting me, Julian. But uh, there's a lot of meetings that we have uh, with, um, I guess, local companies here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met with Bitbox and a number of other ones. So there's a lot of Bitcoin business in Switzerland, right? Yeah. As right. you can tell, there's a lot of interest and a lot of people building on Bitcoin, which is mm-hmm. great.
0: Is it the first time you, you visit like the crypto nation Switzerland?
1: Uh, I was here for a holiday a couple of years back. This huh? is the first time here on business, though.
0: Really? Yeah. Okay, cool. So obviously you work at Blockstream. Uh, mm-hmm. For how long are you kind of as as full-time professional or you're not even full-time professional into bitcoin right because you're also into gaming still Uh, so for for how long are you actually working in and for bitcoin
1: i guess uh, from 2015 Mm. so i I started working at an exchange btc china and then after a couple of years i decided to join blockstream and focus more on building out infrastructure around bitcoin so working at an exchange is good Um, it was an exchange and mining pool but i think there's much more interesting stuff happening at Blockstream, like uh, we're working on the Liquid Network, uh, the Lightning Network, we have our mining operation, uh, we have hardware wallets, we have uh, the Blockstream satellite network too. So mm-hmm. this is a lot of cool stuff to do when you're building and focusing on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm.
0: So basically, as long as you are in Bitcoin, you only worked for an exchange, like quickly, and then for the remainder, you worked for Blockstream? Well, it's a couple of years still yeah. at the exchange. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And before like I just uh, kind of uh, watched your your, uh, your kind of public CV a little bit. So you studied business actually, but you mm-hmm. were in technology ever since. So you uh, do you see yourself more as a, a developer or, a, or or a business guy or one?
1: Probably more business guy now. Mm-hmm. So I did web development a long time ago. Um, And I'm still in the game industry. I started out in the game industry. I have my own game development studio called Pixelmatic. We're building an MMO called Infinite Fleet. Um, So I'm trying to bridge the two things together. Um, Taking a lot of the tech that Blockstream has built and trying to apply it to games and the game industry. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we have NFTs issued on Liquid Network in Infinite Fleet. And we're replacing the game currency um, with a crypto asset issued on Liquid as well. And a part of that is to facilitate trade, uh, peer-to-peer, player-to-player trade, uh, where they can do atomic swaps on Liquid for like a spaceship and the game currency. So it's kind of bringing a lot of that Bitcoin-related tech over to a new industry and seeing what we can do Mm -hmm. um, and offering something new to players. Because historically, most MMO games, they have their own currency and you can't really do anything with it. But I think with portability, you can do more interesting things. Like atomic swaps is one thing, uh, you can create a, a multi-sig wallet, right, with your guildmates, and store mm-hmm. your funds in that. So mm-hmm. I think there's a, a lot of interesting things, and plus, Lightning can be run on top of liquid assets. So we could eventually stream the game currency to players um, over a Lightning network on top of the game currency.
0: Hmm. That's super interesting. Like some some of these aspects are, are definitely super like forward-thinking. But like, what, so what's the 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 big vision you have? With Bitcoin in gaming or crypto in gaming, like what are the, um, how do you see the big interoperability? Like f- for example, you have currencies you can use then in different games, or you have like um, like assets, digital assets that you buy that you then can use in different games, or like it w- would it be more on different different crypto assets, or even using Bitcoin in games, or like mm-hmm. what's the what's your in 10 years what would be your vision how gaming looks like? Well, I think
1: you have to start from something more uh, straightforward. So that's why we're going with a game currency issued on Liquid, because I think that's it, there's no barrier there. Um, we can use things like Liquid Taxi to uh, pay for transaction fees for the user, so we can obscure all that the blockchain complexity part, right? So there's a lot of games out there that are trying to use blockchain tech and they want you to like go and buy their token first. But for us, it is really a game currency. It's not sold. You play the game, you earn the currency just like you would for World of Warcraft Gold. But you, you can take it out of the game because it is a crypto token. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the potential there is going towards that interoperability. So the publisher of Infinite Fleet is called Exordium and uh, right now exordium only has one game infinite fleet but down the road it will have other titles other mmo games and we can have those other games uh, either they're developed in-house or externally and we license them but we can have them all using this the liquid ecosystem as an interoperability layer so um, like say we license another game that game would be using inf right but um, if you made a game Uh, We might publish it and then you might have like your own game token in there, but it would be a different one, but it'd still be on liquid. So you could still have atomic swaps between those game currencies. Mm -hmm. But I think the end goal is this kind of metaverse that everyone is talking about. And that's really just interoperability. Um, But there are challenges like on the business side. uh, If I'm EA, right, I don't want you to buy a, a, a gun from a Ubisoft game and Bring it to mind because then that's a lost sale. Mm -hmm. So I think what we're going to have is probably these um, sort of mini federations like you might have uh, interoperability between all electronic arts games and then you might have interoperability between all Ubisoft games Mm -hmm. but that would be a mid-step and then possibly down the road you could have full interoperability between all ecosystems.
0: Interesting. So you're a very entrepreneurial guy, right? So you started gaming companies. You uh, are now working for uh, for a, one of the biggest and most successful probably Bitcoin uh, startups. Why are you kind of now more working as a chief strategy officer, right? Yeah. For this big um, startup, instead of doing your own thing.
1: Well, I think um, Blockstream has a lot of uh, engineering talent. We have a lot of mathematicians, researchers, cryptographers and we're really pushing the cutting edge of all the tech. Um, I think Blockstream's vision is a very long-term vision. It's more like tens of years, 20s of years. And like we invested in our Lightning R&D in 2015, well before the hmm. whole scalability debate kind of cropped up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the company was founded to build out side chains. And I think all of these technologies are really to enable hyper-Bitcoinization. So you can say, mm-hmm. you know, Liquid and Lightning enable hyper Bitcoinization, Mm -hmm. because the future financial system is going to be using Bitcoin at its base. Uh, But Bitcoin as that base is not the only thing that's going to exist. You're going to still have companies and companies will have stocks. You'll have games with digital currencies and those things can be on a Bitcoin layer, too. Mm -hmm. You can have stocks, equities, uh, bonds, game tokens, NFTs, all on this layer that interoperates with bitcoin right Mm -hmm. so when you settle on liquid you're settling for bitcoin because the native currency of liquid is still bitcoin there's no Mm -hmm. ico shitcoin token involved Mm -hmm. so it's really just helping to accelerate bitcoin's dominance in the world and having everyone use bitcoin
0: why do you think it's going to be bitcoin who W- the, who will be the asset that is the base asset, not other fiat currencies like the US dollar or not other cryptocurrencies like Ether or something? Why do you think it's, it's going to be Bitcoin that everything else will be on, uh, built on top of?
1: Because Bitcoin is the only decentralized thing. Like everything else is a dino, decentralized in name only. It's an abbreviation <laughs> someone came up with, but it's pretty pretty clever. It's mm-hmm. catchy, right?
0: Who, who, who came
1: up with this? I'm not sure, but uh, I saw people using it. <laughs> it's really great. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, a lot of those things like Ethereum, they set up a foundation in, in ZOOG or wherever, yeah, right? Yeah. And, yeah, you know, it's really just a decentralization theater. Like, it, it, you can really just make a one-to-one comparison with Facebook and Libra, right? When Facebook was trying to launch Libra, they say, It's going to be a foundation and it's really Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think they really went anywhere, but it's the same kind of thing for a lot of these altcoins, right? They set up a foundation. They say, yeah, it's that they're supporting development, but then they're always doing business development too, like trying to get their coin listed and all that stuff. So it's really more like a company or like a security Mm -hmm. and they can change their monetary policy anytime they want. So let's just pick on Ethereum because you mentioned it. They recently did their uh, EIP 15 something, right? I don't even know. But they're trying to be sound, ultrasound money now, right? They're changing their monetary policy to
0: burning reduce some the ease, supply uh, every right? 10 minutes. And yeah, they're burning like that, yeah. and trying
1: to reduce supply to pump up the price. But the fact is, if you can change the monetary supply like that, you can change it the other way too. There's nothing mm-hmm. stopping you. It's completely malleable. And it started with the DAO hack, right? They just said okay you stole from us we're going to change we're going to change the rules now to take our money back but the moment you go down that path it's all over right like ethereum classic is the the real ethereum the one right now is actually a fork made by the founders to get their money back Mm -hmm. but anything that's so changeable and so mutable that cannot be the future of money it's got to be bitcoin which is immutable and really decentralized like Mm -hmm. there is no person in control of bitcoin Mm -hmm. you pick any altcoin project it has a basically a ceo right that's the guy mm-hmm. running it
0: but now the problem is a lot of uh, retail investors or people who are not very familiar in, in like in in depth with this matter are mm-hmm. looking at uh coin market cap and they see okay bitcoin is is progressing well like it's uh, it lists the price is listing higher every year that's that's cool but like i see these other DeFi tokens who like solana or now shiba inu or whatever yeah. who are like Pumping up like crazy, and so why should I invest uh, in in Bitcoin when I can pick some of these uh, altcoins and for short term make more money? Like, wh- mm-hmm. you know, they they are basically drawn from saving in Bitcoin. They are drawn to speculating in altcoins, and I wonder. Like, obviously, then you you tell them that the, the long term savings technology is Bitcoin because it is scarce, it is decentralized, it is uh, digital gold, and everything. But like they are obviously drawn to the, the quick money and so uh, yeah. you know, for how long will this still? and there are interesting things going on in the DeFi space and you know tokenization and the ICO there are some interesting uh, NFTs there are some interesting cases and so w- for how long will this go on that on the short term Bitcoin will be outperformed by these crypto assets well
1: people will always want to gamble, right? They always want to get massive returns. And a lot of those altcoin projects offer that, right? Like they're priced at next to nothing. You can put $100 in and you might double your money and then you might lose it all again, right? I, I don't think that any of those things compete with Bitcoin and having them all on like a coin market cap like site is a bit misleading in a way, but it's kind of also unavoidable, right? Like the whole value proposition of all the altcoins is to try to anchor to bitcoin right to mm-hmm. to take elements of bitcoin and market themselves as being better at, at better than bitcoin in this small piece or better than bitcoin in this small piece right like you know we have faster block times or we have uh, bigger blocks or we have you know smart contracts or something like that they try to compete on very small fragments of bitcoin but bitcoin you have to look at it holistically it is just money, and it is programmable money. And you do have smart contracts in Bitcoin with multisig. You don't have the, the cumbersome Ethereum-style smart contract written in JavaScript and embedded in the chain, which clogs it up when people use it, right? So it, it's really just, um, it just takes time, I think, for people to un- understand. Like, they have to go through the learning process. I think for most people entering the space, they don't necessarily start out at Bitcoin. They start out on some altcoin, and they get wrecked. And then Mm -hmm. they they figure out okay now it's really bitcoin only and i don't know there's always there's no end to it like if you look at coin market cap or any of those like ranking sites there's always new stuff if you do a snapshot like right today and you come back in five years most of the top 20 coins will be gone right and being around in this space long enough you you see that so then Mm -hmm. none of the new things that come up uh, no matter how fancy they are, how well marketed they are, yeah. you kind of know
0: it but, will be over soon. Like. Yeah, it,
1: it all <laughs> but, it always always goes mm, away. Uh-huh. But it's difficult. Like, you can't really save people. You have to let them figure it out themselves.
0: So you think they are they will keep coming, and even though we will have uh, li- uh, lightning, liquid, RGB, and all these uh, kind of DeFi cases more and more on Bitcoin as well, there will always be all these other blockchains where people will gamble.
1: For at least the next 10, 20 years, I think, <laughs> okay. or once we hit hyper-Bitcoinization, then it kind of blows away all those use cases, right? They're, they're basically feature coins. They have a feature and they market that feature. But if Bitcoin does become, you know, money for the world, people won't think of it as Bitcoin. It's just like, did you get your paycheck? Yeah, I got my paycheck. It's in Bitcoin, but you won't say Bitcoin. It's just, you know, I got paid money. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin is just money. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I don't think it'll be possible to market yourself as the next Bitcoin, right?
0: Because all these features, do you think, uh, will be on Bitcoin as well? So there would be no uh, reason why I would use a feature coin on a weaker blockchain, on a centralized blockchain, when when I can use it on the most secure, most open source, Mm -hmm. decentralized blockchain, which is Bitcoin. Pretty
1: much. I mean, Liquid and Lightning kind of consume every single use case of all those Like, anything you can do on those, you can pretty much do with Liquid and Lightning. And it's only going to accelerate and absorb more use cases, Mm -hmm. right? Um, For example, NFTs. We have NFTs on the Liquid network. Even though NFTs first were on Bitcoin with um, Counterparty, but you can do them on Liquid. And there's like a a thriving art community on Raritoshi, an NFT platform that we helped uh, sponsor. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're making real art there. They're not just selling rocks and for Mm tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars right there mm-hmm. are real artists making artwork and they're selling it for you know maybe a hundred dollars it's more realistic than mm-hmm. that kind of speculation and uh,
0: gambling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. yeah that's interesting how long do you think this will take and i mean i think there's now a phase where there are these crypto gamblers that are making money or losing money and if they make money in the end they still see Bitcoin has the digital gold, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. if they uh, 10x their Solana uh, investment, then they probably want to put it into Bitcoin or maybe Ethereum, but probably more Bitcoin right now.
1: You don't even need to look at the the traders or the the gamblers, right? (laughs) Just look at the coin projects. One of the first things that the Ethereum guys did after their ICO was they bought Bitcoin. Uh, I think Tezos (laughs) is another ICO, right? And they hold mostly Bitcoin. Really? So all of these projects are really to get your bitcoin mm-hmm. if you buy their token you're helping them to buy bitcoin <laughs> so i don't know people don't always realize this but again when we get to that point of hyper bitcoinization i don't think it will make sense to people people will understand like a lot of that sales pitch is really like this is a utility token um, you know pay ten thousand dollars now buy the utility token and use it over the next couple of years well first of all there's nothing to use it with right like most of these projects if, if people buy that token they probably don't know what to use it like mm-hmm. they're not even using the, the service of that mm-hmm. of that project, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't make sense as a as a model. Right. Like if it is a utility token, let's say I, I don't know in Switzerland, you do you need to pay for public transport? Yep. Like uh, you buy a card, right? Yep. Would you buy like a uh, hundred thousand dollars of that, that, that public transportation card and use it over 10 years or would you buy it as you need it?
0: Just buy it with money. <laughs> yeah, so
1: it's the same thing for the altcoin projects. You just, you should just buy it as you need it, but you don't even need it really, right? Mm-hmm. It's just speculation. But um, to your other point, like when will this happen? Uh, maybe 10 years, maybe sooner. Like a lot of things have accelerated, especially this year that we've seen that I think a lot of Bitcoiners did not anticipate would happen so quickly. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. was uh, nation state Bitcoin adoption with El Salvador right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that would be... Yeah,
0: me, me neither. Yeah. This is crazy. And like, it, it's going on with, uh, with followers very fast as well. Like, yeah. I, I thought like, okay, this may be like this niche case and then for another two years, nothing will happen. No, it's El Salvador doing it and like three or four other yeah. South mm-hmm. American countries like Paraguay, I think, or Uruguay and yeah. uh, Cuba and recently Brazil was very... Like vocal Brazil, this huge country is yeah. very vocal about having exactly the same thing as well, like yeah. having a nation state. Uh, you also
1: have nation states mining Bitcoin too,
0: right? So, which ones?
1: Uh, um, I think Iran is uh, really? mining. Oh but, really? Like cool. a lot of these uh, things happen much faster than you think. Mm-hmm. And we, this year, we also had a nation state attack on Bitcoin, right? You can look at the uh, China clampdown on mining as an attack. Mm-hmm. They forced a lot of hash rate in China to shut down mm-hmm. and just exit. So. We've had two, two things already that I did not think would happen for mm-hmm. another you know, three years, maybe. But everything's happening at a much faster timescale. And we could reach hyper-Bitcoinization in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, and I define hyper-Bitcoinization as the point which you don't want fiat money, any money anymore. You just have Bitcoin, you spend Bitcoin, you're, you have a Bitcoin circular economy. So you're earning Bitcoin and spending Bitcoin. There's no need to exit that system mm-hmm. and go back to dollars. It's kind of like, you know, you wouldn't take uh, seashells in exchange for Swiss francs, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That's the kind of tipping point.
0: But do you think we will reach a point where we don't have any fiat money at all? Or do we have like Bitcoin as the savings asset and then fiat as the spending asset? Because you actually don't want to really spend Bitcoin for a coffee, right? You want to save it, but you would like to spend your USD that lose like 5 to 6% purchasing power a year.
1: Yeah, but if you're earning Bitcoin, like it goes to your wallet from... You know your monthly pay then you would spend it right just mm-hmm. like you need to spend dollars to sustain yourself to buy food and rent or buy a house or whatever right i think the difficulty is people don't want to spend their bitcoin now because you have to top it back up if you spent it you have to buy it again right. and you're paying transaction fees everywhere right yeah. but at the point at which it becomes the base currency then i think people would spend it right it's mm-hmm. just money at that point mm-hmm. you know save your money of course don't buy plastic trinkets or and junk But, you know, buy food, buy coffee and water Mm -hmm. and whatever.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I'm looking forward to that. And I think there are a lot of idols who are already on this path. Like basically only exchange, like trying to earn and spend as much Bitcoin as they can. And then just only really exchange it back to fiat if they need to, if there's no other way, right? But these are kind of the the remnants, the first pioneers, uh, the early adopters. But they, I think, more and more especially when the solutions will when solutions will be easier, like uh, wallet apps or, or even whole Bitcoin apps with you know a debit card where you can spend your Bitcoin as well and with more more employees, employers that that, uh, uh, that pay your salary in Bitcoin as yeah. well. So the more and more these things will come, the more also normal people, Not only the freaks uh, will will start uh, using the circular Bitcoin economy.
1: But you can also leapfrog the credit cards, right? That whole system in El Salvador, people can just pay for coffee with lightning. Mm -hmm. You don't need a credit card anymore. Just Mm -hmm. skip over that system.
0: Yeah, yeah, they did, they probably did because uh, because they didn't really have the credit card infrastructure as well.
1: Well, they don't have a lot of banking infrastructure. Right. Right yeah. now more people have their their national bitcoin wallet installed than mm-hmm. have bank accounts.
0: Yeah. It's like at the African countries for example or I think a lot of Asian countries are as well, basically leapfrogged from the the whole telecom mm-hmm. industry. They basically just went from uh having no no real uh, real real-time information system to the internet right they they didn't have telecommunication or or they
1: skipped over like the pc and went right to mobile right right Right.
0: exactly yeah Yeah. that's that's the interesting thing about about emerging countries but so how do you see the the kind of layered scaling or the, the the end Tech, from a technical point of view, the end solution of Bitcoin. W- w- what happens a lot is the, the comparison between Bitcoin as a protocol layer and then layered um, uh, scaling with liquid, lightning, mm-hmm. RGB and stuff like that. And then compare it to the Internet, which also has a base protocol and then seven layers, right? Mm-hmm. Do you agree with kind of that, um, that approach? C- can, can we compare it like that? And what would the end solution, the end layered solution kind of tech stack look like?
1: It's hard to say, but I I definitely think it is starting with lightning and with liquid. Um, Yeah, obviously, I believe in the layered approach, right? Like that was the whole the, the crux of the Bitcoin scaling debate. Right. Do we make the blocks bigger or do we scale with layers? And fortunately, we went out with layers instead of increasing the block size. There's a whole other kind of worms that happen when you go down that. So the first thing is, if you make the blocks bigger, then people will find it harder to run a Bitcoin node, right? If you st- you probably set up a Bitcoin node, right? You know, it takes time to synchronize. And if your blocks are, you know, hundreds of megabytes in size, y- you may never be able to set up a Bitcoin node, right? Because the blockchain is always getting bigger. And at that point where a normal person cannot run a node, then Bitcoin kind of loses that decentralization. It'll just be run by people in, uh, in Amazon or in Google Cloud, you know, Running it somewhere else and then you kind of revert back to the legacy system where mm-hmm. you know you're, you're not able to be your own bank anymore you have to rely on someone else to tell you someone else to store your funds right mm-hmm. um, the other part is uh, it just becomes unwieldy to you can't really scale that way there is a, a dead end that you reach right you cannot keep making the blocks bigger infinitely mm-hmm. so the layered approach is really the only way to scale and much like the internet um, it is the right way to scale
0: mm-hmm. interesting and so like how many stacks do you think there will be will there be different stacks for different use cases like for example uh, liquid as i understand is more like b2b focused even like probably more for a set for issuing tokens or for moving big uh, big amounts of money from, for example, one exchange or one mm-hmm. financial institution to another, whereas Lightning is more to buy your coffee, to yeah. like uh, uh, send some tips on Twitter, and like right. very small microtransactions, or maybe even uh, you know kind of the streaming money use case to tip your content creators, your podcasters, whatever. Um, and then there's RGB, as I understand it, for also like smart contracts issuing DeFi use cases, also issuing tokens, stuff like that. So. You know, can you help me understand? I, I actually really don't understand. <laughs> so I would like to, to, to kind of uh, pick your brain like how, would, how will this uh, End up with this different technology.
1: It's hard to say what the next layers are going to be um, It could be that lightning is all you need because if you look at it You can have Bitcoin at the base and then you can have lightning on top of Bitcoin but you can have Bitcoin at the base and then you have liquid on top of that and then lightning networks on top of liquid assets so having that extra layer of the liquid blockchain, you can actually do a lot more stuff with lightning networks on top of these assets and all of these lightning assets are interoperable. So maybe that's all you need. I can't really imagine mm-hmm. what's going to come next because you can actually do a transmission of data with the lightning network too. So uh, Paolo Arduino, the CTO of Tether, he's working on a project uh, called Dizar and it is really just uh, data over lightning networks and with a payment module of course too which is lightning but you know it just shows that you could potentially build a lot of things on what we have now just the lightning and liquid layers
0: Mm -hmm. why do you think it doesn't really happen more often like why are all these nft projects on ethereum and why aren't they on on liquid because you you actually have uh, issued an STO, I think, for one of the gaming yeah. companies yeah. on on Liquid, and there are you, you said there are some NFTs on Liquid as well. So why yeah. are people and, and companies and startups not jumping on that? Why are they doing it on?
1: Like, it's it's a good question. I think there's a lot more NFTs on Ethereum because there's a lot more ICO money in Ethereum, and mm-hmm. they are artists trying to make money, right? So well, you marketing
0: can, power probably. As well, well,
1: if you print an ICO token, you have a lot of money, and mm-hmm. you can do a lot of things with that. You can incentivize usage, and that's really what it is. Like if you look at every single uh, major blockchain project, they did their ICO, and then they pay people to use their stuff. Right? Mm. It's kind of like <laughs> a, a snake eating its own <coughs> tail, and I don't, I don't think it's sustainable. Like the the community we have on Raritoshi, the liquid NFT site, is much more active and it's much more organic much like bitcoin right it's like organic growth not you know we if you look at the big ethereum uh, nft use case it's the Beeple thing for 69 million dollars right but how did they sell for 69 million dollars that that guy he did like a uh, an ico consortium to buy nfts so he raised money through an ico to buy oh. an nft so that's where that money came from, okay. right? So it's still that whole ICO money mm-hmm. ecosystem. Uh, I don't think it's sustainable. We'll see, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I don't think in long in the long run it's really going to sustain itself or survive, and it will probably be something more organic that mm-hmm. that subsists over time, right?
0: Like I think so too. Like the serious projects who really value uh, an organic, uh, like good, active, uh, sustainable community and and security um and open source and decentralization and all that kind of and all the advantages that come with it they will move to to Bitcoin at one or sooner uh, than or rather sooner than later and then obviously there I think there will always be like um gamblers and speculators and like all these snake oil sales yeah. ma- sales they will always probably ha- find find some stupid people as well to do pyramid schemes with and to mm-hmm. to, to 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 sell sell hot air on on these other blockchains probably but i think it will move slowly but steadily um Mm. to 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 bitcoin more i think so i think so interesting it's it's gonna be interesting how how it plays out also like the big investors if you look at the 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 big banks for example like uh, jp morgan um goldman sachs and morgan stanley all of them are now Basically, Deutsche Bank basically now issuing uh, research about Bitcoin, also mm-hmm. investing in Bitcoin. BlackRock recently invested in Bitcoin and Bitcoin infrastructure, like mining companies, um, and then nation states adopting Bitcoin. Yeah. You don't hear anything about Ethereum or, or mm-hmm. DeFi or other coins there, right? So yeah. like the big players seem to kind of have figured it out. So either they figured out that Bitcoin is more valuable than the others or they um, they basically didn't th- don't really know about these other coins, but that I think is, is not, uh, it's not a problem. I mean, most likely they did their research on the whole crypto space.
1: Yeah, I, I think a few people, few institutions are going to invest in DeFi projects because it's just like governance tokens on top of governance tokens on top of governance <laughs> tokens. And I, I don't know, if you're a serious investor, you can't really look at that and, and see the value it's like a house of cards built on another house of cards right like you're literally investing in something to get their governance token to stake it with another thing to get another governance token right so i can't see that working out
0: uh-huh.
1: yeah and yeah, I also from a it. risk
0: perspective i mean for these institutional investors and 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 Uh, nation states, they they think more long term and then think a lot about risk. Like what what are the big risks? And already Bitcoin for them is an alternative asset so far now. It's it's an emerging savings technology, but it is right now at this stage very risky for them and they want to limit the risk. But for Bitcoin, if it makes it to this digital gold, the upside is way bigger than, than the downside. So if they mm-hmm. put 1%, 2% of their portfolio into Bitcoin, then the downside is 1% to 2%, mm-hmm. the upside might be huge, right? So there's an asymmetric risk-return profile, which they like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then to go even more, even riskier for a potentially way smaller, um, maybe faster, but way smaller uh, return, I think that's not from a from a pure investment pers- investor perspective, that's not going to be uh, the thing that triggers them. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think they, they know that Bitcoin is the decentralized money, right? Everything else is really a company. So yep. as a nation state, why would you buy some company's token right. to, I don't know. Might it, as well
0: buy Facebook stocks. Right? Yeah, <laughs>
1: exactly. But hmm. yeah, like I think um, there, there's not a real risk in holding Bitcoin. It's only volatile and risky if you look at it on a short time horizon, right? But, If you're a nation state, you should not be looking at something like, you know, on a week-to-week, month-to-month basis. You should be looking at it on a decade's time horizon. If you look at Bitcoin on a decade's long time horizon, it's just like this. Right. Right?
0: Yeah. Higher lows every year, right? Yeah. There's a graphic I saw the other day. It's very impressive. I think there was, in the last 10 years, there was one year that was lower, like the lowest low was -hmm. a little bit lower than the year before, maybe 20% or something. Yeah. But all the other years, it was substantially higher. Yeah, and that's really impressive. But and already, if you look at it from year to year, perspective, but
1: it's also possible, we will never see a crash like Bitcoin will just keep on going up. And that is really a factor of the money printing, right? If you mm-hmm. look at the money printing in the US and Canada too, it's just parabolic. Mm-hmm. Like for because example, in Canada, we printed more money in the last year than in the past 40 years. It's just ridiculous, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. So if you look at all the central banks printing money, maybe Bitcoin just never crashes again. There's mm-hmm. never a Bitcoin winter anymore.
0: This will fuel hyper-bitcoinization, obviously, yeah. as well, together with nation-states coming in. Because every nation-state, every additional nation-state that are coming in, especially like big ones like Brazil, um, is is increasing the pressure on all the other nation-states, mm-hmm. right? Because they see them getting richer and richer basically and they themselves they just uh, try to shrink or decrease their uh, debts yeah. with I- issuing more money but they feel like oh I don't even save like I don't I just make my debt smaller but I don't make my wealth bigger. Yeah and all the others are actually storing their value in a, in a currency that are going mm-hmm. up. Same with companies, like the micro strategies of this world who are investing billions in Bitcoin now yeah. and just sitting back and like, you guys, uh, you know, yeah. th- 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 this will uh, probably trigger a movement uh, or a dynamic that is going into the direction of hyper-Bitcoinization.
1: Yeah, like there was a lot of FUD in El Salvador when they first uh, launched their Chivo wallet, right? They, they said, you know, Everyone's lost money now if you got the $30 from the government, but now with Bitcoin at 50, 54, 55K, they're all up, Mm -hmm. right? And if Bitcoin keeps on going up, then you just educated an entire nation state about the value of sound money Mm -hmm. and the importance of saving your wealth, Mm -hmm. right? And I think the, the... the big exodus or the big uh, spur for bitcoin adoption is going to come from the countries that need it the most mm-hmm. it's not going to be from you know the wealthy nations it's going to be from the nations that are subject to um, the inflation from the US because mm-hmm. they're using the US dollar right they get no benefit from using the US dollar because there there's no infrastructure bill giving them money mm-hmm. right they just have their wealth eroded but it's probably going to come from those regions but i think also in, in the developed, more developed nations, like the wealthier nations, you also will see it. It's just slower. Like mm-hmm. in, in Switzerland, you have negative interest, right? Uh, yeah. If you put your, your francs in the bank, you're losing 1%.
0: Listen to that. We we have kind of the lowest inflation rate probably, but still between one, one and a half, up to 2%, depending on the mm-hmm. year. Still, there is inflation. So yeah. you lose purchasing power every year. Yeah. And then now you have, negative interest rates that went down from like up, you, you didn't pay anything up to 1 million. So already you don't get any positive uh, interest rates anymore. It's, it's ridiculous. Like you get 0.00001% mm-hmm. per year on your savings, which is ridiculous, it's nothing. And then we had negative interest rates from like 1 million or 2 million on. So for most people, it's okay, you know, they don't care. But now this, within a couple of years, went down to 100K. So, already, and, and most people in Switzerland who, you know, are in their 30s, 40s, they have 100K on their bank account, mm-hmm. usually. And then you lose um, y- between 1.75 and 1%. So, usually, like, if you have more than 100K, you, can, you, you pay 1% of this, mm-hmm. plus you have inflation. And yeah. that's in Switzerland, which was one of the best financial systems probably in the world. Yeah. So, I don't want to even think about living in an in, in in Eastern European country, for example. Mm-hmm where they have huge inflation rates and they have obviously negative interest rates as well and like
1: the thing here is like negative interest rates don't work anymore you can buy Bitcoin you can opt out of the system and just buy Bitcoin like central banks are already obsolete they just don't really know it Mm -hmm. like with the opportunity the choice to go to Bitcoin why would you hold that fiat money it just makes no sense at
0: least why would you hold more than 100k yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. just it, treat it like a utility token yeah <laughs> just get as much uh francs as you need uh-huh. when you need it exactly and keep the rest in bitcoin
0: <laughs> exactly so that's interesting so this whole hyper bitcoinization thesis really makes a lot of sense to to me uh speaking to you so and blockstream is trying to really um uh, work towards this and, and, and help, help support this in any way. So what are the biggest fields where you support this? Obviously, you you, uh, you uh, produce software like wallets, uh, like uh, op- you contribute to open source software like uh, Liquid, Bitcoin itself, I yeah, think. Bitcoin we contribute Core Bitcoin as, well. as well, and uh, and Lightning. And then you also started mining, mm-hmm. um, uh, which which is interesting. And, and also satellite. Um, yes. Uh, satellite networks, which is probably to kind of make the network redundant if anything happens to the internet, maybe or like, can you quickly maybe elaborate on these uh, fields? What are you doing there?
1: So uh, I would say like everything that Blockstream is doing is to augment Bitcoin, you know, and Bitcoin is a, a a large ecosystem like you're saying there is mining there are nodes there's software there's the protocol there's the layer two stuff we're kind of we have our fingers in every single pot we're working on all of this right Uh, we are contributing to bitcoin core development we have developers that you know work on taproot um, all the different layer two things we're also heavily involved and everything we're doing is open source too much like the jade wallet right everything the jade wallet is also fully open source both the software and the hardware so you can get another um, you can get an m5 stack it's the same chip and board as the jade and you can download the software or compile it run it on another device that you don't buy from us so basically we're trying to empower everybody by giving away mm-hmm. all this bitcoin related software even the satellite stuff right that's all open source as well so if you wanted you could set up a <laughs> your own satellite network mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's really just augmenting Bitcoin. So like you said, the satellite network prevents network splits. Um, mining, one of the goals for us to do mining was to give access to mining to people that may otherwise not be able to.
0: So will it be a mining pool?
1: Uh, we're working on something too. Okay. But um, the hosting operation is our primary thing right now. So when we launched it, we hosted Reed Hoffman, uh, the co-founder of LinkedIn. Uh, we have Fidelity, but we're just getting big institutions and you know, individuals into Bitcoin mining because oh. to set up your own mining operation, it's uh, so difficult.
0: Reed Hoffman is, ba- so you basically have a mining pool with very selected uh, people, uh, mining and facility. Mining yeah. So Reed Hoffman is using you as a partner f- for doing mining for yeah. himself.
1: Yeah, he's one of our first customers. I didn't
0: even know he's a Bitcoiner actually. Yeah, he is a Bitcoiner. Oh, really? wow. yeah.
1: There's a lot of Bitcoiners that yeah. don't always like go on podcasts right. and talk about yeah. Bitcoin. They just have bitcoin right Right.
0: we need to have him on here (laughs) yeah
1: but um yeah like giving access to mining is definitely very important because we saw well we see this year too where centralization gets you right Mm -hmm. you can have a nation state crack down Mm -hmm. and you have a sudden outage or drop in hash rate unfortunately like we weathered that really well but in theory if like there's a lot of hash rate in one place like china it turned out to be like 30-ish percent maybe Mm -hmm. 40 actually less than People were expecting, but let's say you had like seventy percent, and it all shut off one day, then the block times will get very long until we have a difficulty readjustment, right? And that will be disruptive to the network. So it's better that Bitcoin mining is really distributed everywhere, like Mm -hmm. all over the world in different countries, geopolitically and geographically.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What's the whole business case though behind it? If if you're basically giving everything away, um, if you don't, so it's all open source. Obviously, I think you ch- do charge probably fees and stuff, but what's the big business case that allowed you to become a unicorn? Because in the end, you just raised $210 million from basically traditional, like just venture capital uh, companies. Yeah, raised right? from, um, they they, they want to they make profit in the end as well. So mm-hmm. right. So in yeah. that regard, you're a traditional startup. Mm-hmm. How, how, what was the business case that convinced all these investors?
1: Well, it's i guess our main revenue driver right now is our own mining operations those are very profitable and they became even more profitable after the china shutdown right um, we're we have 300 megawatts between canada and the us and we're expanding very rapidly too we have a, another site secured um, i guess the roi is on both the software and the mining side so on the software side we're building financial products on top of liquid so the first one that people have exposure to is the Blockstream Mining Note. So that is a Luxembourg securitization vehicle uh, where we're tokenizing our hash rate. So it is a, really a security. It has an ISIN, uh, will we'll have an ISIN, and it is 2,000 terahash per Blockstream Mining Note, per BMN. So you can actually you know, get this liquid token and trade it on OTC Markets, and it will be listed on uh, crypto Securities exchanges down the road too. Mm-hmm. So that's and it the, will
0: pay you a yield. Well, you're mining. you're mining
1: Bitcoin with it actually. So every blockchain mining note is mining Bitcoin. So when you buy the note, it's all hash rate. But then as we start mining, the hash rate becomes Bitcoin at the end of the three year term and is paid out.
0: Oh, nice. So you're a miner.
1: If you're holding the token, you're really a miner.
0: Nice. And what will be the entry barrier?
1: um you just have to be a qualified investor oh. and be able to afford it so one bmn at launch was two hundred thousand euros oh,
0: okay yeah uh-huh.
1: so it, it's sort of like accredited investor uh-huh.
0: yeah <laughs> but very interesting cool oh man wow. and uh, so the the whole mining how, how can you how can you be so profitable so, so basically mining is taking care of 70 to 80 percent of your income
1: it's it's very profitable, but we have also a, a suite of financial products that we are working on So we acquired a hedge fund called Adamant Capital and we're planning to offer um, Basically financial products like in a Bitcoin alpha fund. You can invest Bitcoin and generate a return on your Bitcoin in Bitcoin
0: mm-hmm. How did you achieve to become so profitable um, with the mining like where did you where do you get the, the kind of the, the latest equipment? you always need the most efficient uh, mining rigs probably, mm-hmm. right? And then where do you get the cheap energy from?
1: Well, you have to source it, you have to find <laughs> the cheap energy. And that, that is kind of a barrier. Like most people, they mining at home is profitable right now, but t- typically in like uh, bear markets, it's not profitable to mine at home because electricity cost is higher in your home. So you need to go and source uh, cheap electricity you know, in, uh, you know, in Canada where you have hydropower or in the mm-hmm. US too. But it's really just finding that building a facility, having efficient operations, and having the, the best hardware, so the best ASICs. And I think um, the key to mining, to being a profitable miner, is to get into mining when people think Bitcoin is dying, right? It's similar to buying Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, mining is sort of like a, a futures on, on Bitcoin, right? You're mm-hmm. you're buying the miner at a certain time, and you'll recover the cost of the miner over you know, a year, roughly, usually. Um, but if you buy the hardware when it's a down market you're probably going to get in right and mm-hmm. also you'll have better luck negotiating for electricity when it's a down market because mm-hmm. when it's hot everyone wants their cut right. so okay. if you're negotiating with the landlord saying i want to lease your facility i want your power they'll stay we will charge you a lot so right. interesting
0: what kind of investors did invest now in these 210 million uh round words like vcs who want to see an exit in five years like traditional or was were, 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 are there a lot of bitcoin enthusiasts who who just invest in it because they have a lot of Bitcoin and they want to see Bitcoin mm-hmm. succeed in the next 10 to 20 years. And that's why they invest in you as an infrastructure provider.
1: Yeah, I think so. So it's a bit of both. Um, our B round was uh, Bitfinex and Bailey Gifford. So Bailey Gifford is a Scottish investment firm, um, and they have very long time horizons for their investments. So their thesis is more focused on the uh, liquid side. Actually, I think both of them are interested in the liquid side, The, the reformation of capital markets using liquid technology. But uh, for Billy Gifford, I think security tokens is the key thing that they saw in Blockstream that we're building, mm-hmm. having a stable technology that enables privacy. So liquid has confidential transactions. So it's the perfect building block to create this new financial system on top of Bitcoin. And they really believe in the long term potential of the liquid network and you know, tokenization of real world assets, linking them to Bitcoin settlement. Uh, for Bifinex, I think it's really supporting um, a lot of Bitcoin stuff, like the, supporting the protocol development we do on Bitcoin and Lightning, uh, supporting the Liquid network, and our securitization stuff too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think for Bifinex, uh, Paulo, the CTO, he's very much a Bitcoiner at heart, right? Mm-hmm. He's trying to do things that are good for Bitcoin. Like mm-hmm. they pushed a lot for Liquid adoption early on. And it was hard for us to get liquid adoption because we didn't have an ICO. So, uh, if you look at all the chains, they typically can incentivize usage. We mm-hmm. can't really do that. Mm-hmm. But I think he understands the potential of technology, and he, you know, he issued uh, USDT Liquid uh, on Liquid, Tether on Liquid. Um, and they supported it at their exchange. Um, mm-hmm. Like They're always the first to adopt a lot of the cutting-edge technology like Lightning. They're one Lightning of the first well. exchanges yeah. to support Lightning deposits, right? Mm-hmm. And I think they're seeing massive volumes on Lightning as well as Liquid now. So all of their early faith in layer 2 scaling is really paying off and mm-hmm. really paving the way for everyone else like mm-hmm. all m- more exchanges now are integrating lightning and liquid mm-hmm. after seeing that it works really well
0: mm-hmm. that's very cool to have such a partner on board as well mm-hmm. to, to have early, o- always an early case that then you can basically go out and, and convince others to to follow right yeah definitely awesome Man, it was really fascinating. Is there anything else you you, you wanna uh, you wanna say, or I don't want to steal more time uh, of you because but that it was really really uh, interesting. Thank yeah. you very much for being I'm here.
1: glad to chat. I guess my question is uh, when is Relay going to uh, support Liquid?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so <clears throat> we actually are very young still, so a little bit more than a year. We launched uh, July last year uh, with very little money. So now we had good first. Um, uh, traction in in mainly Switzerland and Germany but Europe uh, as a whole so we have app downloads in, in every European country and now we uh, took some money um, from venture capitalists to really uh, set the basics first right you know we we had to work a lot on our infrastructure because we was basically an MVP right and yes. we worked with an external uh, uh, broker so we really uh, from end of end of October, uh, we will launch what we call Relay 2.0, which is um, has a, a, a refreshed branding, a better UX/UI, a way more stable tech infrastructure, um, uh, a new, we will have our own broker license and our own broker uh, all in house. And so, this is basically uh, building the, um, the the stability or the, the the basics for to now to then kind of scale and get into other um, Bitcoin use cases. So obviously then next year, what we will be more focusing on is still uh, frontend UX UI is very important for us because we mm-hmm. are talking to, to newbies uh, who don't really know uh, what liquid is and, and lightning mm-hmm. and stuff, but also obviously then exploring kind of um, more use cases like, uh, like DeFi, NFT, uh, smart contracts and stuff on Bitcoin. And that's mm-hmm. where, um, op- and obviously cheaper transactions, streaming money. So a uh, yes. big big thing is, is DCA um, for us. So people can start with 10 bucks a week uh, and then DCA, like may having a savings plan into Bitcoin with us. Obviously this will not be sustainable forever on the main chain. Right mm-hmm. now it works, but it will not work forever. And so there we, we would like to enable like people even hourly, like having 10 cents, an hour um uh, a savings plan for example via lightning mm-hmm. or um defi stuff like uh, maybe lending uh, or uh, lending bitcoin and get some uh, get some um <coughs> uh, the return interest via liquid for example so stuff like mm-hmm. that we will definitely uh, We'll definitely work towards and yeah. um, and also to collaborate hopefully with yeah. uh, like with blockstream and and uh, lightning labs we have very good contacts there as well we're, we're working with uh, christian decker as well oh, yeah. for um, for for lightning use cases, who's also obviously at PopStream. Yeah, he's here. Uh, he he was here at the at in, in actually in the in the podcast as well. Yeah, yeah. we had him before, and uh, he he's working here in, in Zurich somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, exactly. So definitely that's gonna be on our roadmap. But for next year, we still have some basic work to do now. Uh, building yeah. the community, but but step by step.
1: Yeah, but I think the Bitcoin focus is important. To yes. Not get distracted by you know, all these different things. That was
0: something I actually and we had to learn early on, and uh, we really also um, didn't take investors on that didn't share this uh, alignment mm-hmm. or the, the, this this uh, vision, which was hard because most of the fintech investors are coming and I'm, I'm giving all these millions, but please build this shitcoin casino because <laughs> there's so much volume. They only see the volume. I mean, Coinbase, for example, is making okay. like seventy percent of their volume with shitcoins yeah and so if, if this is the only goal the short-term profit then it's, it's hard right so we had to find the right investors who buy in in our long-term bitcoin only vision which we found now um, and that's that's what we need to defend and and we we now are very strong in this uh bought in very strong in this bitcoin only uh, strategy now yeah. yeah that's great awesome man yeah. last question that i always try to get out of my uh, uh, podcast guest how much of your total wealth is in bitcoin
1: I don't know. I lost <laughs> everything in a boating accident. Everything. <laughs> everything. Yeah.
0: Just could buy your coffee. But like yeah. even the, the the percentage of how much you 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 would think would be would make sense to have in Bitcoin. Is it already the can we already with like sleep well with having ninety-nine percent in Bitcoin, right? I think so.
1: Yeah. I mean it depends on each individual, right? Like mm-hmm. what is your risk? I would say if you're just a newbie and you're just starting out, Mm -hmm. 10% is good, Mm -hmm. right? Like 10% won't kill you if if Bitcoin crashes, but I don't think it, Mm. it it might dip a bit, but you'll never go to zero, Mm -hmm. right? The risk is really not having any Bitcoin, I
0: think. (laughs) The risk is bigger not to have any Bitcoin, Yeah. Awesome, man. That's a great uh, end word. Thank you very much for being here, Samsung. It's really a pleasure.
1: Yes, likewise.